0: This is Florida Matters, I'm Matthew Petty. Black nerds, or blurds, are mainstream these days. From comic book superheroes on the big screen like Black Panther or Storm, to hip hop artists celebrating their affinity for anime, blurds are a growing part of pop culture. But it wasn't always like this. On this episode we're taking a closer look at what it means to be a blurred, how the black lived experience affects art forms associated with nerddom like comic books and cosplay, and how blurred culture is changing. Black Panther, the 2018 movie from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, was seen as a landmark, not least because of Chadwick Boseman's performance as the titular character.
1: Mr. Well, sir, i never yield And as you can see, I am not dead!
0: But that movie arrived more than 50 years after Black Panther first appeared in comic books in 1966. Blurred Hall of Heroes includes characters like Geordie LaForge, the iconic Starfleet officer played by LeVar Burton in the TV series Star Trek The Next Generation. But for Blurds who grew up in the 70s and 80s, black characters on screen were often supporting roles, even when it was the coolest man in space, like Billy D. Williams' Lando Calrissian in Star Wars Episode 5. The Empire Strikes Back. 90s-era Blurds might have looked to Kwame from the animated environmentalist TV series Captain Planet and the Planeteers.
2: I need young people to help now. Starting with five very special kids from five corners of the globe. From Africa, Kwame.
0: But for some Blurds, lack of representation meant putting their own spin on white characters like Chitara from Thundercats. You threw me that race, Chitara. How dare you say that to me! The code of Thundera forbids it! Then how could I win? It's not possible! For more on what it means to be a Blurred, and how Blurred identity is changing, we reached out to some people with insights and expertise in pop culture, comic books and cosplay. We recorded this conversation via Zoom. Well, Eric Deggans is a TV critic and media analyst and guest host for NPR. Eric, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. We're also joined by Sherelle McKinney, St. Pete bartender and admin specialist who cosplays as a cyberpunk character that she created, among other characters. Jalen Christie is a public relations professional writer, cartoonist, and creator of the comic book Stink Bomb Man and the Brain Kids. Jalen, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. And Anika Aliong is a Davenport area business owner, yoga teacher, and cosplayer. Anika, thank you.
3: Thank you for having me.
0: Well, Eric, I want to start with you. You've been reporting on blurred culture for a while now, but just to get our listeners caught up, if they may not be up to speed on this, can you spell out exactly what is a blurred? That's
1: easy. It's a black nerd. I don't know that I'm an expert in blurred culture necessarily. I, I I talked about it years ago with W. Kamal Bell, who's a comic who is also kind of renowned for being kind of nerdy. And we we nerded out together about stuff. And I'm someone who has loved comic books since I was a kid. I'm uh, 58 now, but I started reading them when I was, you know, five or six years old, probably. So I can remember Early Black Panther episodes, I can remember early uh, Luke Cage uh, editions that I actually owned and things like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not as involved in fan culture, but, you know, it's just a recognition that Black folks and non-white folks can be into this stuff, and that sometimes when race and culture meld with uh, genre culture, we see things differently. We experience things a little differently. We have different insights uh, because of what our experiences as people of color in America. And that's what makes it so awesome is that we can bring that to fandom. And if there's a respect for our perspective, it can make the experience even richer for everybody.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, back in 2012, you talked on NPR about identifying as a blurred. And you also kind of mentioned some of those names like W. Kamal Bell, uh, who you just talked about, and the proliferation of other blurs like Kanye West, to Donald Glover, to nerd pundits like Melissa Harris-Perry, when did you first become aware of that term, blurred? And, and at what point did it seem like this was a cultural phenomenon that was distinct from white nerd culture or white nerddom?
1: Uh, I guess once you just start to realize that there's other black folks who like what you like, you know, like I grew up in Gary, Indiana, um, which is a, a, a mostly black town just east of Chicago and there weren't a lot of other people in my neighborhood who loved comic books, who loved genre stuff, who, who collected Frank Frazetta art, <laughs> you know, who read Isaac Asimov. You know, I did there weren't a lot of people in my neighborhood who who were into those things. And so, um I you know, part and parcel with this is going to college and meeting a wider range of people and then also getting on social media when that emerged and connecting with people of color who also had those enthusiasms that I never knew existed. Mm -hmm. And, And then I found there was a word for it, Blurred. And that's when Kamal and I really started talking about it. And, you know, just this idea that we're able to connect with each other and realize that this isn't a white thing and that we can be Black, authentically Black, and love this stuff too which is also you know kind of amazing and then i realized that blurs were taking over pop culture i was a pop music critic in the 90s you know the rap was taking over pop music and you had you know Snoop Dogg and you had Dr Dre and you had NWA and you had these really powerful macho figures well now you know fast forward a decade And, you know, Kanye West is rhyming about it, loving his mother. (laughs) And Andre 3000 is playing the flute. It's like, you know, uh, it feels like Black nerds have had their moment for a while, but are on the cutting edge of pop culture in a lot of ways that we weren't when I was growing up in the 70s and 80s. And so, um, you know, you would never call Prince a nerd necessarily. But you know, you might you might call Andre three thousand sort of a sophisticated nerd. You might call Donald Glover a sophisticated nerd, you know <laughs> you, you might even call Kevin Hart a sophisticated nerd in, in a certain way. I don't know if it's just part of the elevation of geek culture and how it has reached communities of color, but there certainly is a sense that being a blurred is cool, even if we don't always articulate it that way.
0: Sherelle, I want to bring you into this conversation. Um so when you hear the term blurred does, does that do you identify as a blurred and 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 if so why
2: Absolutely when i hear the term blurred it reminds me that it's a melding of black culture and nerdism So for example when i was a kid my favorite character was Chitara but the thing is i was Chitara running around in street clothes with an afro mm-hmm. That's me is being a blurred. We're putting our own spin on these characters that you typically see as white presenting, you know. So no longer are nerds just relegated to glasses and moppy hair covering the forehead and you're hiding yourself. No, you can be the kid with dreadlocks. You can be, you know, the girl with the huge afro or whatever. But it's just taking that cultural idea of being black. And saying, "Hey, even though I am black, I also like these things. I also like anime and comic books, and you know, all the nerdy things."
0: So, Anika, what about you? What what got you first into cosplay and and sparked your interest in this world?
3: Well, my son is a blurred <laughs> and mm-hmm. we bonded over Star Wars, so. We just kind of found that commonality, and then it moved into Lord of the Rings and all of these other things. And we would find ourselves having discourses on it. And then we decided, you know what, let's start doing cons as a way for me to bond with him. And I come from a culture where we express ourselves. I'm from Trinidad and Tobago. So, carnival is an expression of yourself. So, I was able to take that and find a way to express myself in cosplay and it was fun and then I realized that there was this whole culture that existed with other people that look like me and identified like me and it was very embracing and people cheer you on they give you ideas in terms of oh yeah with your body type you should play this you should play that and I got a lot of support in the um, in the blue community. And that really helped propel not just me and my confidence in terms of me being an adult and me having a teenage son and, you know, us doing this. And then what started happening is my son, my son actually was like, you know, and oh, he's like, Mom, you look good. Go out. Be this person.
0: When you think back to the first convention that you took part in and, and now what what's changed in terms of seeing other blurs and, and maybe some of the range of expression that you might see in the convention hall?
3: I've been doing cosplay for a few years. I've noticed a lot more black cosplayers, a lot more blurs coming out, and a lot more authenticity in the characters that they're playing. We're seeing that kind of innovation and creativity coming out. I like the fact that people are taking and really owning the identities of these characters, but at the same time infusing it with their own personality.
1: You know, Sherelle and Anika, one thing I want to say is I just think it's amazing that what you guys are doing with cosplaying, because when I was a kid and was in the comics, I, I would see in Essence magazine, there was this ad for an insurance company, and it showed a black kid with a towel pinned to his, to his shirt, pretending to be a superhero. And he was black. But when he looked in the mirror, he saw this white superhero looking back at him because that's all he could imagine. And, and so to see you guys kind of reclaiming it and saying, you know, we can be whatever we want and, and be black, it's just that's awesome that you're doing it.
0: Jalen, what about life for you as a, as a kid who is into comic books? I mean, you know, there, there has been and this kind of cuts across uh, every genre of nerd, but in the past, and we're probably going back a couple of decades now. It was not cool to be a nerd. Like now, it seems pretty acceptable to to flaunt your nerdiness. You know, when I was growing up in the eighties, nineties, definitely not. And and I'm wondering what it was like for you.
4: Well, oh, that's very true. Now, the beautiful thing is, you fast forward to twenty twenty four, and we've embraced it. It's now suddenly amazing to be a blurred. I did have a tight knit group of friends that were all nerdy, and uh, we hung out a lot, and you know, took up for each other. I was never teased. I was never teased, but uh, it was not popular uh, to be a nerd when I was a kid. So I'm I'm really pleased to see that more and more people are embracing their differences, and owning that.
0: Mm-hmm. I want to ask about your comic book, Stink Bomb Man and the Brain Kids. Now, I know this is something that you had sort of, you'd been thinking about this and then you finally brought this character onto the printed page, but where did that idea come from originally?
4: So when I was a child, there wasn't a lot of superheroes that looked like me. I remember being in the first grade and then representation from a superhero perspective. What I had was my choices. I had... Zachary Taylor, the Black Ranger in Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. He was my role model, but Zach only lasted one season and half of the second season before he was written off. And then I had Kwame on Captain Planet, and then I had Storm in the animated version of X-Men. Those were my three choices that I remember when I was a child. So uh, when I was a kid, when I was in first grade, I decided to take it upon myself to create my own super-powered characters. And I only did it for fun. I don't think I ever did it with the intention of one day adapting it into a comic book. I created the Brain Kids of uh, young Black superheroes that have no superpowers, but instead fight crime with science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. And then when I was in third grade, I created Stink Bomb Man, who was a super-powered alien from the planet Stinkopolis who instead of using violence, he subdues villains with stink bombs. And I did it for fun, I did it for fun. And all of my friends and family members just loved it and embraced it. And then given the events of 2020 and everything that happened with George Floyd, uh, one of my fraternity brothers, I'm a member of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated, but one of my fraternity brothers told me, hey, you remember that comic book that you created when you were a kid? I've seen you still drawing images of your characters, even as an adult. Maybe you should, you know, take it and do something with it. So he really encouraged me to move forward and turn it into a comic book. And I released it during Black History Month of last year. And it's just been a tremendous success so far. It's been great.
0: One of the characters in your book, uh, Jalen, is openly gay. Why was that detail important to you? And what does that kind of mean as far as when you think about LGBTQ plus representation and, and comic book art and, and those genres?
4: So I am a firm believer that diversity is the spice of life. Like when you look at um, when you look at where we are now as a society, the world has changed significantly. So I truly believe in representation. So yes, the character that you referred to is Dr. Beaumont McBrilliant. He is the grandfather of Brittany McBrilliant and her brother, Jesse McBrilliant and he is aiding the Brain Kids. He helped them create their, their costumes, he helped them create the gadgetry that they use, and he's aiding them in investigating the mysterious disappearance of their father. So I wanted representation across the board. Even though my three main characters, Stink Bomb and the Brain Kids, even though they are black, um, the characters in the series are all diverse. So you have uh, Jesse McBrilliant's best friend, Riley, who has two fathers. Or Jesse has a crush on El Yamamoto, who's a young Japanese-American girl. El Yamamoto's best friend, Trish, is someone from the disabled community. So I'm trying my best to show a world that is very diverse. There are characters with different body shapes and different sizes and things of that nature. Never there's someone that picks up Stinkbomb and the Brain Kids, you know, I really want them to say that, hey, you know, that person looks like me, or hey, that person may be in a wheelchair just like I'm in a wheelchair. So I, I really wanted that representation. That was important to me.
0: Cheryl, let me turn this question to you then. Uh, I mean, when you think about kind of diversity in, in the world of nerddom, whether it's, um, you know, blurds or, or nerds from other cultures, and what, what's it like being a black woman nerd, especially in a space which I guess has traditionally be dominated by white men? So what's that like?
2: So I remember when I first started getting into cosplaying, there was a lot of gatekeeping. And not just from me being a woman, but also being Black. It was both, you know? And I think that was one of my motivations to... I I was a high school teacher for 13 years in Pinellas County. And so one of the things I did as a high school teacher was I actually sponsored several anime clubs and gaming clubs for the students. So I, I kind of made it a safe space for my nerds of all colors, but... It was really, really hard. Now it's a lot easier. People have been recognizing that, hey, you know, this whole idea of being a nerd has been gatekept for so long by the same people that it's time we start our own groups. You know, There are groups on Facebook, on Instagram that you can join that are just for Black women, you know, and we encourage each other. We push each other. We're like, hey, you know what? Who cares? Go out there and do it. And similar to what I would tell my former students, I'd be like, hey, come on in here during lunchtime. We're going to watch anime together. I would pull up my subscription to Crunchyroll, which they all loved. And we'd watch an episode during lunch while we eat whatever. And we'd share and talk. And and kids would come to me and they'd be like, you know, I want to do this. I want to try and change this. And we'd have really in-depth conversations. And it was kind of cool seeing that now, even though I'm a woman, even though I'm Black, Even the kids are like, this is still cool, you can still give me advice, you can still help me in my identifying what I want to do in terms of, you know, my nerdism.
0: You're listening to Florida Matters, we're talking about what it means to be a blurred, or black nerd. After the break, blurbs and the intellectual tradition, and the influence of anime on blurred culture. Welcome back to Florida Matters, I'm Matthew Petty. We're talking about the rise of black nerd or blurred culture. There's plenty of black musical artists now who aren't afraid to flaunt their nerdiness, from Saweetie's affinity with the Japanese manga or comic book series Sailor Moon, to Lizzo embracing her upbringing as a band nerd. Here's Lizzo talking with NPR's Elsa Chang in 2016 about her EP Coconut Oil. Do you sneak flute
2: into your music a lot? I have snuck her into all of my records but um this is the first time uh, my flute was front and center and um there's no going
4: back now i've been telling people i've been warning i'm like you just wait till this nerd gets in, (laughs) gets into hip-hop i will make everybody love the flute again
0: now let's get back to the conversation with npr's eric diggins cosplay artist sherelle mckinney and anika aliong and comic book creator jaylen christie eric i want to come back to you for a moment When you think about blurred culture now in 2024, how do you see it fitting into, I guess, an older tradition of black intellectuals like, say, James Baldwin or or Malcolm X?
1: Well, I mean, one thing that's interesting to me is that James Baldwin and Malcolm X were considered cool by the young people of their time. And they were speaking truth to power in a way that I think energized young people, especially young Black people. And uh, what I see about blurred culture is that we're doing the same thing to the establishment that has controlled these genres so much. And again, when I hear about what Sherelle and Anika are doing with cosplay, I think about all these people who get freaked out when there's a black Ariel, but making Ariel black is just a way of saying that, that, you know, that character can belong to everybody. And to see how people react when you do that, just lets you know how systemic this white centeredness is, where people insist on taking things that don't necessarily have to be centered on white racial culture. And they insist on centering them on white racial culture. And you find that a lot in a genre stuff. And you find that a lot in, in nerd culture. They insist on centering Star Wars and Marvel and Disney on white culture. And, you know, the attempt in multicultural casting is to blow that up a little bit and expand it and challenge all those ideas. And so um, in the same way that a James Baldwin, or Malcolm X was forcing white society to face the reality of how it was oppressing Black people, I think in an, in an odd way, blurs are forcing science fiction and comic book culture to face how it has marginalized Black people for so long. Mm-hmm. We can make these genres better by opening them up. And what I love to see is the Afrofuturist movement and, and to see Black people focused on saying, we are a part of science fiction. We exist in the future. You know, and us existing in the future, we bring something. We're not just there to be a token, to, to be the Black face in the corner. Our culture can add to the overall culture. And so I'm just so excited to see where we are right now where there's so many black creative people, non-white creative people being handed the reins to these big projects and being allowed to tell stories that prove that we deserve to be a part of that future too. And when you make us a part of that future, we make everything better. So there's no reason to not do it.
0: Sherelle, more and more black women are publicly expressing their love for comics and anime and even showing that they're nerds in other ways. For example, Lizzo has said she's a bad nerd. Rico Nasty and Willow Smith give more of an emo blurred vibe and that shows up in their music as well. And then there's artists like Sawiti who loves Sailor Moon and anime and talks quite a lot about that. How does it make you feel to witness this?
2: Oh, I get super excited. I remember listening to Meg The Stallion doing a, uh, one of her ciphers where she was doing freestyle. And I just remember a line where she's like, when i switched my hair to blonde been a turn up like goku and i was just like what that was just such a bar to me and i was like oh my gosh this is amazing and so I actually found that it was a really good way to really get the Black youth more and more into that blurredism because now you have mainstream culture like hip hop throwing these little nuggets of blurtism in there. And then you have random people who are like, wait, I don't understand. What, this, what does that line mean? What, what is she talking about? And then you're the expert now. And you're like, OK, let me explain to you what that means, peaking their interest in exploring more of what it's talking about. So that to me is just absolutely amazing. And I advocate for it all the time. I push these songs. I play them all the time. I'm like, oh, my God, you have to listen to this lyric, you know, and just kind of getting people to really see that we're here.
0: Mm-hmm. I want to just kind of wrap things up here because I don't want to take up too much more of your time. But just to close things out, I want to ask all of you, where do you see blurred culture going from here? And Jalen, when you think about that, like what does blurred culture in the future look like to you?
4: The word that comes to mind is explosive. Um, Like I indicated before, when I was a child, there wasn't that much representation. But now when I go to Walmart or I go to Target, if I peruse the toy department, it's so refreshing to see, you know, more and more action figures and more and more dolls that have darker skin tones or, you know, more and more superheroes that look like me. I remember being a child and I was really into Star Wars. And even though, you know, Billy D. Williams, God bless Billy D. Williams as Lando Calrissian, the coolest man in space. Um, but at the end of the day, Lando Calrissian was a supporting character. The main three yeah. characters are Luke, Leia, and Han. So that's what was in my face as a kid. Now you fast forward to today, and uh, you've got Finn, for example. Uh, You've got uh, the actress, Moses Ingram, who played in uh, the Obi-Wan miniseries last year. Beautiful Black woman, has her own action figure now in Star Wars. So it's a lot more representation. I think that you're seeing more and more people of color in this comic book space now in 2024, where there's significantly more representation. There's significantly more superheroes and villains, you know, with different shades and different skin tones. I can only imagine what it's going to look like moving forward, and I'm here for the ride. Quite frankly, I'm looking forward to it.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Eric, when you think about um, blurred culture, where do you see things going?
1: Well, you know, we we've had this moment where Black creatives have been able to take control of storied Black characters like Black Panther and Luke Cage. And we've been able to see the wonderfulness that we get when a black person can control those narratives about important black characters. Mm -hmm. Now, I think it's time for the characters that were created by black creatives to get that level of attention and prominence. And I think that's what we're going to see. You know, uh, already we're seeing people look into the work of Octavia Butler and try to make TV shows and films from her wonderful science fiction work, a black woman who's a wonderful science fiction writer. And, and so that, I think that's the, the next and most important stage is that the characters that are created by folks like Jalen, you know, getting the push to become these story characters that we all know and love and, and get to see in TV shows and, and films, that's the next hurdle.
0: Anika, what do you think about when you think about the future of blurred culture?
3: I just have one word, mainstream. I want it to be part and parcel of this culture, that it's so integrated into what people see on TV, what you see in a store. That's not even a question
2: anymore.
0: Mm -hmm. And Sherelle, how about you?
2: I don't want to see black remakes of white characters. I'm sick of that. And I know that's what I do with my cosplay. I, I you know, reinvent it. But I also, I just want to see original Black characters just out there doing what they do. I mean, I don't want to see a Black Superman, okay? I want to see a Black character that is on par with Superman and, as Anika said, can be as mainstream as Superman, but he's not Superman. He's our character. All of these new Super characters. Black man. <laughs> i saying, I'm just saying. <laughs> just something that's a little bit more original but I can see it as being limitless right now because black people blurreds are understanding that you can do what you want because it's not just anime it's also science fiction and science fiction comes at creation to do whatever you want mm-hmm. and that is just a huge part of what I see for the future of blurredism.
0: Well, I want to thank you all so much for for joining me. We've been speaking with Sherelle McKinney, St. Pete bartender and admin specialist, who is also a cosplay artist. Sherelle, thank you.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: Also joining us, Anika Aliang, a Davenport area business owner, yoga instructor and cosplayer. Anika, thank you.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: Jalen Christie, public relations professional, writer, cartoonist and creator of the comic book Stink Bomb Man and the Brain Kids. Jalen, thanks so much.
4: Thank you. This was fun.
0: And Eric Deggins, TV critic and media analyst and guest host for NPR. Eric, thank you. Thank you, Matthew. We might have to make you an honorary blur for <laughs> <laughs> having this conversation. That's our show for this week. Our executive producer is Grayson Doctor, And thanks to Hilary Van Dyke, contributor to the weekly Challenger, for connecting us with blurred cosplay artists. You can find links to work from our panelists on our website, WUSF.org. I'm Matthew Petty. Thanks for listening.